0: Hi, I'm Adrian Maidman, and this is I'm Also, the podcast where I talk to people with multiple careers, pursuits, and interests. My guest for this episode is Nathan Stewart. Nathan is a youth and community engagement navigator at Toyo O'Humai Institute of Technology, based at the Windermere campus. We'll be talking about what this role involves, and in particular, his focus on providing students with help and guidance to achieve their goals. I'm Also, a podcast from Wuma Media. Order Nathan. Kia ora kato. We'll start with, we've got a special guest in here. Um, who's your friend? Uh, so this is Mania.
1: who's my two-year-old, way Labrador, uh, and my best friend.
0: That's good. And, and we'll start with a quick shout-out to Mary Stewart, your mum and my old boss, just to get that out of the way. Hi, Mary. Yeah, hello, mum. I guess she'd be laughing right now. What does your job involve? At Toyo Homai, navigating. Navigator. So, yeah, uh, my job
1: title is Youth Community Engagement Navigator, um, but I essentially work as the school liaison for the Western Bay. So I look after all the schools here in the Western Bay and just help secondary school students transition into tertiary study.
0: What What sort of things are they most curious about transitioning um, from school to... I'd say a lot of it's to do with either subject selection, helping them out
1: with NCEA and what subjects they need to be able to go into the, I guess study area that they wanted to go into, um, and then when students are going into, I guess graduating from secondary school, uh, assisting them in terms of what entry criteria they need. Um, but generally, it's just give them life experience and life advice, and letting them be able to bounce off their ideas and what they should or shouldn't be doing really.
0: What's your best life advice you give? Well, we'll say you're not very old as well. How old are you?
1: Uh, I just turned
0: 30. 30. Oh, that's getting up there now. 30. Yeah. That's good. Still, still young. Still a young man. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, my
1: father used to say, do as I say, not as I do. I guess I just give them a little bit of, I try and relate to students about what I've done in my life and then give them some advice as to whether or not that's something they want to do or will not yeah. do.
0: I mean, I was the same. as soon as I left school, I was like, I've got no idea what's going on. You realise you don't know as much as you think once you leave school, I think. Oh, yeah. I
1: mean, you know nothing
0: when you leave school. I know nothing now, so. So what did you do after you left school?
1: Um. So when I left school, I went down to Otago University uh, to study physical education in Māori. And just getting to Otago was a bit of a rollercoaster ride. Um, I didn't get the best career advice when I was at school, so I ended up having to do. I actually ended up having to do a foundation course here at the Polytech um, to get my university entrance, and then from there, I finally got into, into uni. Um, shout out to Jill Brockus, she managed to get me through. Um, so that was uh, that was a bit of roller coaster, it gave my mum uh, a bit of stress, um, but then managed to get down to Otago, and yeah, I spent three years down at Otago. And pretty, yeah. Did you like Otago? Yeah, I loved Otago. Probably I loved it a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, that segues nicely into your love Otago a little bit too much story. Uh, This news article from the Otago Daily Times says, The University of Otago did not want to be the behavior police, but believed it had the responsibility and the authority to denounce student behavior serious enough to affect its reputation. The High Court at Dunedin heard yesterday. The Otago University Students Association is seeking a judicial ruling on the university's code of student conduct, which in 2006 was tightened to make it clear the university would discipline students for behaviour off campus as well as on. Uh, and then you come into it. The decision which sparked the OUSA, that's the Student Association Legal Challenge, was the university's decision under the code to exclude first-year student Nathan Stewart for one semester after he was videoed throwing a bag at a passing car in George Street during this year's Orientation Week toga party. Um, so that, that was a Was it a hiccup? Yeah, that was a pretty uh, pretty big hiccup for
1: my, I guess, my tertiary life, or just a life in general. Um, it was a pretty big smack uh, of reality, I guess.
0: That was a good learning experience was it ah uh, yeah really
1: Maybe good le- i don't think i learned too much at the start but now in my uh later years of uh i've kind of reflected back on it and seen it as a pretty uh pretty good learning experience for myself yeah that that time at otago was um i mean i went down i read, before i went to otago i read mark ellis's book and um basically once i read mark ellis's biography i was kind of hell bent on wanting to go live a Scarfy life um so I got down to Otago, as I said it was a bit of a roller coaster just to get there and then once I did get there, uh, three days into my stay, I was pulled into the head office um, of the of the hall I was in at the time um, and the head of the hall was basically saying that the university wanted to kick me out. Um, so there, that was a bit of a shock, though I was on a bit of a, I still didn't really kick in that they were wanting to kick me out and I didn't really take it seriously because I was still caught up in the whole orientation of of university um, but into my start of the first semester things started to get pretty uh, pretty heavy with legal things and yeah so basically what, what ended up happening was um, they wanted to kick me out uh, for the year, I ended up appealing it um, because I mean, I was one of, like, thousands of students. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I just came into university when they were really trying to kick that Scarfy mentality um, and change their, I guess, represent, uh, reputation for the, the university. Um, I was just kind of in the wrong place, wrong time, and uh, Three News managed to catch me in the act, I guess. Um, Allegedly. And, yeah, well,
0: <laughs> well,
1: I... I, I um. I tried to fight it, and I went into a meeting one day with, uh, I guess, the head of the university and another proctor. And I was really should have brought in some proper legal representation, but I ended up bringing in one of my friends who was doing first year law. And um, we did do a pretty good job of um, of pleading our case. Um, and once they gave us video footage of um, of said crime, um, yeah, I was I was a bit of a, a bit of a hard place. So what ended up happening? I ended up having to go through a bit of a legal process and then they ended up kicking me out for the first, oh, second semester and I was allowed to return for the second year, so, yeah.
0: And came back strong.
1: Yeah, so I came back for my second year um, and did the normal, I guess, Otago thing when fled flat down Castle Street um, and then started learning about uh, what happens when you destroy flats and things like that, so... I wouldn't want to be a land, land owner, I mean a flat owner down there. Yeah, shout out Jenny Martin. We uh, put her through a bit of a hell year. Um, so my second year of university, I ended up getting, I think we did like 20 grand worth of damages on our flat. So I ended up having to uh, yeah, try and get a job as soon as I got back home and start paying that off. And that kind of followed me into my third and fourth year of uni. And did you go to Victoria? Yeah, so I um, did three years at Otago and then um, ended up following um, a girl. This is what girls would uh, make you do. And uh, went up to Victoria and ended up finishing uh, my degree up there. Um, and so I spent two years in Wellington, which was which was really cool. Wellington and Victoria, oh, Wellington and Otago, sorry, are sort of completely two different uh, student cultures. Um, so... It was good to get into somewhere where it wasn't just um, burning couches and flipping cars twenty four seven. So yeah, I love Wellington, cool place. It is a good
0: place, Wellington. Yeah, very nice. That's good. So it's better to follow a girl maybe than Mark Ellis, I guess. Something to learn from. Yeah, yeah. No, Mark (laughs) Ellis is from Wellington, so yeah. And uh, and then what happened? Then what then what happened after you've got a qualification? Um, so
1: when I graduated from uni, I was uh, I was pretty stoked, obviously, and thinking I, now I'm going to um, attack the world and get into the job of my dreams. But What was the job of your dreams? Well, basically, I was probably going to go uh, teach uh, physical education in Māori, but I found it was kind of hard to get a job. And ended up going straight back into working uh, some of my summer jobs. So I worked as a scaffolder throughout uh, throughout university, uh, and worked on the Port of Tauranga. Um, so I went straight into working scaffolding after graduating, which was kind of depressing. Um, after putting in, I guess, four years of study, and then going back into a pretty tough occupation. And then from there, I ended up working for about a year, and then moved to Perth. Um, and so I had a couple of friends over in Perth, so I moved over there, um, which I ended up started scaffolding again over there and was kind of living the high life in Perth uh, for a little bit. And while I was working in Perth, I ended up changing, uh, ended up walking into a bar and met a lady uh, who asked me what I did for occupation. I told her I was scaffolding. She asked me if I'd done any uh, event work and I kind of, I was over scaffolding at the time, so I just said, yeah, I had. And she said, how would I like to come work for these uh, big uh, cancer events? Or well, ride to conquer cancer, as I said. And so I said, yep. So I found, uh, I guess, a new occupation over there. I ended up getting to travel uh, Australia for the next six months, uh, setting up these events, um, which was cool. I ended up seeing a lot of Australia, yeah, which kind of set me up for my next journey to go
0: live over in London. The traditional move to London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you ended up in Italy, didn't you?
1: Yeah so basically what happened was from uh, Australia I ended up coming back to New Zealand and again I wasn't really planning on going over to the UK but I guess I, I had a girl a girl that had moved over there <laughs> so I thought oh I should I might as well go over there so I ended up applying for um, I guess the traditional uh, visa for um, Kiwi to go over to to the UK so I got a visa to go over there and it just so happened at the time that um, a job popped up with some of my friends to coach beach volleyball over in Italy and so they couldn't do it and they put it out to a couple of the boys and I wasn't going to apply for it but then I thought oh stuff it I might as well um, have a go so I applied for this job over in Italy and they ended up um, they ended up giving it to me and another one, another one of my friends, were well, best friends from here in Tauranga. So uh, it ended up working out pretty well that I was going to be moving over to London um, and then being able to go straight from London to Italy to start coaching beach volleyball. So That's really good. Yeah, Yeah. yeah so no, my background's in, uh, in volleyball and beach volleyball, um, and I'm kind of lucky that a lot of my friends, they do it for a living. Uh, or play beach volleyball for a living. So I've been lucky enough here in Tauranga to kind of be around it most of my life. I've never been able to do the... What's that called,
0: that one? Where you... Uh, oh, a bump. I can't do that. Or pass. I don't know, I've if never if, been able if to if do it. Yeah. I like volleyball apart from that bit. Not that, well, you got, you're, showing, you're, you're showing terrible technique at the I know, moment, yeah, but. it's just... It's one of my life regrets. Yeah. I like. And how, and how long how you in Italy for? Um, so I lived in Italy for
1: about six months, six, seven months. Um, and that was uh that was like that was an awesome, awesome job. I I loved my time in Italy and I was uh if uh anyone listening, look up the Beach volleyball Marathon in Bibione. It'll kinda of blow your mind. Uh, that place was insane. Um but yeah, that was uh that was that whole period of living overseas was it was awesome but it was it was pretty tough at the same time. I um At that time period, I was kind of shoot first and ask questions later and I was pretty impulsive. So I left New Zealand with maybe a thousand New Zealand dollars for a two year trip over in the UK. So by the time I got to London, I spent that within the first maybe like two weeks, not even two weeks a week. Um, So I've lived on the bones of my ass here in New Zealand. I can kind of manage, but overseas it gets a bit tough. So mm. I was lucky when I my job in Italy that they paid for my accommodation and uh paid for my food and everything. So I was just hanging out to make sure I could get over to Italy to yeah start working.
0: And then back so so key learnings from being overseas. Um, I think the the one of the one of them is just
1: learning about different cultures and being able to interact with different cultures and how um how people. Different perspectives and how people see things. I really enjoy being able to, um, especially Italian culture. Um, I learn a lot in how they interact with things, how they see things. Um, and I think I think traveling is a must for everyone. If, if you're kind of lost and looking for your passion and wanting to do something, um, traveling definitely gives you some sort of uh, insight. Um, and direction, possibly direction. Oh, that was kind of one of my hopes when I left to go overseas was to try and find like my passion. Um, which which didn't really happen, but at the same time it gave me a lot um just a lot of
0: experience
1: in terms of what I should and shouldn't do, I guess. Mm. Yeah.
0: And what are your um sporting pursuits now so originally i guess uh, my sporting uh, aspirations was to play play rugby or
1: play professional rugby uh, all through school and university Uh, surfing's kind of been always my passion Um, and i kind of found out that if you wanted to pursue something professionally in sport you really have to have a passion for it and rugby really wasn't my passion Um, which was kind of a hard Pill to swallow, I guess, because it's kind of I guess every New Zealand guy's dream to play professional rugby and play for the
0: All Blacks, etc. You gotta um, have that mental love of it, don't you? Yeah, but
1: if that's that's with like I guess anything, but especially in professional sports, and I see it with my friends who play professional beach volleyball. Um they're really single minded in terms of what they were doing. So you really have to be um, you know, focused on and and really loving that sport and if it was a rainy cold day, I wasn't really super keen on on wanting to go out and play, even though I probably had um I guess the talents and stuff you really need to be able to have the passion to, to push through. So surfing's always been my passion. So um it's something that I've always kind of done. Um, and now jujitsu's kind of become my main focus. So yeah. What's the key points of jiu-jitsu? Well, I call jiu-jitsu the gentle art but i um, i find that it's anything but gentle uh, but jiu jitsu for me anyways um has been i guess it's it's changed my life in a way <clears throat> just in terms of like the philosophy of it it's a really it's a really humbling sport um and really teaches you how to um, have humility how to respect people um you really get an understanding about who you are as a person um and how you how you, come, how you go about challenges and how you're going to, uh, yeah, I found for myself anyway, that that's really taught me a lot about myself. Um, What's your club? Uh, so I uh, train out of Tamaru Jiu-Jitsu and Papamoa. Shout out Nick Tot, he's my coach. Um, and so, yeah, I've been really lucky. I live <clears throat> just around the corner from um, from my club. Um, and,
0: yeah, I've been lucky to be able to, to, go, to go to that gym. Guess on the competition side of things, you've got a twin, haven't you? Yeah, I've got a twin brother, um, Vinny Stewart. Has that been sort of more competitive or supportive?
1: Uh, I'd say it's more supportive. Uh, me and him are kind of polar opposites, really. Yeah, Vinny's um, he's he's actually a graduate here at Toyo Hawaii, did the um, marine studies program here. Oh, that's a good course, yeah. Um, so and he really loved his time here, but he's uh, yeah, he's. A super chilled out guy he's he loves sport but he's not really into the competitive side of it he's it doesn't really phase him too much um he's a good looking one he's got green eyes tall curly hair so yeah no nah, he's he
0: besides Vanai, he's he's my best friend vinnie he's uh he's the man right i'll move on to plug a product plug a product where you can promote something you're doing or something you're interested in or like plug a product i'd probably honestly say that the one product i'd I'd plug
1: is uh, is jujitsu if anyone's looking for something to do um looking for some direction um i think jujitsu especially for for any kids um but adults as well um it's an awesome vehicle to be able to start building your yourself your self-esteem your confidence um Anyone that I've seen that's come into jiu-jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu after a couple of weeks, you see that their confidence starts building themselves. Um, and it's, um, I mean, you're learning a practice, practical skill that you can use in life, but I think the lessons that you learn um, about yourself, about other people, um, are things that you can apply to your everyday life, so, yeah. What was your club again? Uh, it's called Tomato Jiu-Jitsu out of Papamoa, yeah.
0: Does it have a website?
1: Uh, yeah, we've got a website, also got a Instagram and
0: Facebook. So, yeah, Tamari Jiu-Jitsu would be a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any final, maybe tying it all back to your job, any sort of final tips you would like to provide with all that wisdom?
1: Um, I'd probably say for for students or for, for people in general, the, the biggest problem I've encountered with my role and um, in my interaction with students is... People lacking their why in life or what their purpose is. And I think if you are struggling to feel like you are kind of just in limbo in your life, trying to figure out that why and and what your purpose is here. So at the moment, and your purpose can change or your why can change all the time. And I think for me at the moment, it is, my purpose is kind of to, I've got a little, like I guess, slogan I say to myself, which is like educate, motivate and inspire students. So every day when I wake up, that's something that I can kind of, I guess, base my life around. So it gives me some direction to put my time and energy into um, and make me feel like that I'm contributing to something. And I think when people don't feel like they're contributing to something, that's when things like anxiety and depression can start, um, you know, wreaking havoc on, on yourself. So um, I think that's a good place to start is trying to figure out what your, if you can't find your passion, start figuring out like what your purpose might be. And your purpose could be something small as well. It might be to love your father or to, you know, to be, to be a good
0: parent or to be a good um, son or daughter or something like that. So. Cool. We'll finish on a po- on that positive What's your why? What's my why? Well, as I said, my why at the moment is to uh, help
1: rangatahi um, or to help anyone really is to educate, motivate and inspire them. Um, I've got a huge passion for being able to uh, provide people with some sort of motivation to get them into something that they like doing or something that they didn't realise that they liked. Um, That's a real uh, cool aspect of my job is Sometimes some students will come in with an idea of thinking that they want to do a certain subject, and then after having a bit of a chat to them, they kind of realise that they don't actually want to be doing that and they get a real kick out of something else that we might offer or that another institution might offer or... Um,
0: yeah, I mean, a good talk like that can save years. Yeah, exactly. Someone, yeah, From my own experience as well. Save years of just going the wrong way or yeah. not knowing where you're going. And I think that's for that for me has kind of been the tough part. Is that you know,
1: I've I've got a really good supportive loving family. I mean, you met my mother, uh, and I've got a really good dad as well. Um, but I never really had someone that was kind of guiding me through a lot of the things. A lot of things I've kind of done in my life are complete opposite to what my family have experienced or done. I'm kind of like I guess the black sheep. So I've really had to learn. Uh, You know, through the hard knocks, really. And so I felt like if I just had a little bit of advice here or there, it would kind of help me save a lot of time and uh, wasted energy into things. Um, So that kind of like, that's kind of my passion as well, is being able to uh, impart some of the the things I've done to help people not have to go down such a um,
0: turbulent road, I guess. Cool. Well, over there. Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) No worries. Thank you very much. And. Boy, man, (laughs) just chilling out there. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or there's plenty of other ones as well.